so much for joining me today. So good to be here, Kate. I love you and your work and I love this cause so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. I say you feel like an old friend, but this is actually our first ever face-to-face -face conversation. Yeah, that's crazy. I love it. That's the true frequency, right? Sisterhood. I love it. Yes, yes. So when I started thinking about the series and Divine Feminine and what Divine Feminine meant to me and who really embodied Divine Feminine to me, you were one of the first people that came to mind because of all your work that you do, working with Mama Gaia, working with the plants. And to me, that is such a big aspect of Divine Feminine is this earth aspect. So can we start by you sharing what does Divine Feminine mean to you? Mm, that's a really good question that I feel like I'm constantly defining in myself as well, you know, um, especially because I'm going through a Venus transit that's hammering me down. <laughs> I'm joking. But Divine Feminine to me is that what you were saying, the fertility and the magic of creation, the that which what we're birthed into of this world is so feminine naturally, you know, Gaia and all her ways of expression is just so deeply feminine beyond the confines of societal conditioning of like what feminine is this gentle ideal or soft ideal that is so not exactly it, you know, it's this powerful creatrix energy that's constantly in birth and transformation through this deeply fertile, psychic magical realm that we all have and i do feel like we all having that sacred feminine in all of us is awakening so deeply right now because we're going into this you know real true birthing experience of consciousness in a whole new way as the collective personally intimately so for me it's that constant like surrender to the rebirth of this magical fertile uh consciousness that we all contain so I personally love being very much in the soil and in nature and connecting to the presence of nature, which is so beyond just feminine, but it is very feminine that it's very receptive and it's very ready to receive you in that open-hearted way. So it's, I really connect to that in that heart consciousness level to that feminine energy that's all around us and is where we come from and what we're made of, you know, so. This is as well, this is one of the things for me is that you've got that connection with the earth that you just described so beautifully, but there's also a connection with the stars and the cosmos. And so with a kind of bridge, right, between the earth and the stars. So could you speak on your, like, how you, how you get that kind of guidance? Like, how do this, you say you spoke beautifully on how the earth communicates with you. How do you get that guidance from the stars? How does that feel? <laughs> And that's such a, you know, that's very, uh, what I love about that is that everybody has their own recipe on how to connect to this powerful entity that we're all made of and where we come from. And for me, like, as I grow with it and age with it in a way, I love to feel how she or that energy whispers to me in complete intuitive ways. So for me, it always comes as gut feelings, deep intuitive hits as I'm just moving through my everyday human life. You know, I could be just like doing whatever, working away on the computer or running a business or whatever it is. But it's always this like underground, deep psychic intuitive energy that pours in as like this clear voice in my mind. And that's how I mostly feel guided. And the more the most I, I hear it on a daily is in that way and ways to reconnect to it, because like it's like an antenna. You know, we all have this antenna where this voice comes in in specific moments for specific reasons and I feel like the antenna can get cloudy, 
and it needs sharpening. And I love personally just being in nature, doing a lot of like rewilding work where we just go back to the basics of ourself with nature, Gaia, being out in the open and reinviting that voice in our soul and in our psyche is so beautiful, you know, and there's so many processes and it changes, you know, as we, as different phases and different seasons, this voice changes and the way we adapt to it changes as well. So I think it's a constant conversation. And even though it comes as those intuitive hits for a lot of us, I do feel like there's different crafts that really ignite it. So for example, for me, gardening, when I'm gardening, I'm just in it and I'm just breathing and feeling and being this voice um, more than anywhere else. So I call that like my happy place because that's who I am beyond my story. That's who I am being beyond this and this person as Adriana, you know, that's who I am channeling in that moment. So I love when we find those practices that really just allow it to pour in magically infuse us beyond this human experience you know so so yeah that, that's a big explanation but I hope you get the gist yeah no, it's beautiful maybe we can speak more on that because that's that's a big part of what I want to do as well is a lot of the times when people are presenting these concepts that we're talking about especially when you start talking about stuff like ascension or 5d it can seem just really unrelatable yeah but you know to me that you know, just like you're saying, gardening is like a really practical way that we actually start embodying that and coming into that. So do you have other things you do, other things you do that really help you get into that space? Yes. So I remember in one uh, vision, I was doing a very deep meditation one day and I felt like spirit spoke to me by telling me that I needed to do more altars around trees. Mm. And it showed me specific ways um, and I knew it was not just my imagination because that's where you can discern the difference, you know, when it's an intuitive downpour versus just you being creative, which is also powerful, you know. But anyways, I saw images of me creating very specific elemental altars around trees, whether it was like in mandalic forms or just offerings or something a tree might want at the feet of its on its feet or on its roots. And so I got these beautiful visions specific to specific trees that are just near me in my garden or near these nature trails here. And I would just start doing these offerings, even though it seemed completely, let's say, illogical uh, as to what I was supposed to put in the at the base of that tree. I was still doing the recipe that I was being guided to create. So I felt like that deep connection that that space we enter that's beyond space and time in ourselves where we're just being orchestrated to do these beautiful rituals to just ignite this sense of, you know, this eternal space of magic, you know, so to me, that's where I've been feeling it lately, where I'm just in nature, and I'm just bringing that kind of magic to wild places or places where there is not a lot of humans around or ideally run into some more animals or whatever, you know, so places that just feel like off the beaten path where I can really connect. And as you said, like in that practical way that I can really offer uh, in deeper ways beyond my imagination, you know. Beautiful. Can you tell us more about tree altars? <laughs> yes, yeah. So there is this one tree here that I love um, called Bovinsana, and I sp I've spoken a lot about it actually, but it's used a lot in curanderismo in Latin America, where it's used to ignite dreams. It dissolves the confines between time and space. So a lot of people that do dietas, which are like, um, like, cleansing, shamanic cleansings in order to cleanse the body to receive psychic sight 
So uh, Bovinsana is like this beautiful tree. It looks a lot like the Albizia tree in Northern countries. You can find it in Europe too, I think, and in North America, but it's not the same family. But anyways, it looks very similar. So Bovinsana is known very much as the lucid dreaming tree because it comes in dreams so specific and significant, you know? So I haven't even been thinking a lot about it. I've worked a lot with it, but you know, it kind of, you know, remedies come and go as you navigate life. And this one came back and it was showing me what it wanted at the base of this tree. So I always do, we grow tobacco here, like the different kinds of tobacco. So I was doing in my, in my dreamy meditation I was um, offering this tobacco and these liquids of infusions of different flowers that are also native to this area. And so I felt like the tree was needing the infusion of that tea by its feet, you know? So I created the teas and I brought them in these like coconut bowls and I placed it under the tree. I also like I wanted like turmeric around it. So I was seeing all this yellow vibrant gold in the, in the vision. So I just poured it on its roots and then I had to water it all kind of taking away the little mandalic preparation I did in, in the circumference of the tree. And, um, and so then I sat in meditation under that tree to really receive more of its medicine. And it just came with so much information. It was just incredible about my personal life, not necessarily about just the trees, let's say medicinal attributes, which often happens too. But what I love is that these archetypal visions are always so colorful and dreamy and imaginative but they're basically resembling what the tree can do to our mind body and spirit you know it really speaks in this symbolic language so I really invite those like if you connect to tree medicine a lot or you're in that time of your life like really allow it to come in these archetypal interpretations that you can later interpret into let's say a medicinal diagnosis or some diagnosis for yourself a remedy that you really need for your spirit or physical remedy that you need for your physical body and so yeah i feel like trees i mean all plants have this but i feel like trees specifically have this like really deep archetypal visionary explanation on how it likes to be like it's almost very set just like trees are very set and defined as to how it wants to be let's say ritualized or used or you know just in whatever way that is really wanting to come through so um, I've been really connecting to that tree medicine in that way, uh, which is not very common in, in my personal experience. I'm more into, or other plants have shown up on my path in different ways. So I feel like trees are just so beautiful for that kind of, for those seeking that deep nourishment, deep grounding energy, that grounded feminine energy, right? That, that really, like, if you're looking to go into that channeling practice, like trees really create like the ground for you to really go beyond, you know? So it's great for anyone really wanting to partake, especially in like mediumship and channeling, which is happening to so many lately. I feel like I keep getting messages of people like I had this crazy visionary experience and I was sobbing and ecstasy and in pain and everything mixed. And I was just like, mm -hmm. yes, tree medicine. <laughs> That's so, or seeds, I feel like seeds have that same power, like deep seed energy that really grounds the spirit and or and body so you can really go out in a safe way to receive these messages and connect to this divine feminine power in us you know could you tell us a little bit more about how the plants speak to you and is that something you've always been aware of since childhood yes yeah, so i have been aware of it uh since a very young age and i think it's because my grandmother made me aware i think if i didn't know that was a say a plant or plant archetype speaking I would have considered it's just, you know, poetic language of our mind or 
you know, something different. So I remember when I was young, my grandmother would um, always use a tree as an as a symbol, interestingly enough, as a way to enter the spirit realm. And uh, she would use it as like the grounding cord in order to go into the vision. And when you get lost in the vision or when sometimes it get, can get difficult to come back into the human experience, depending on how deep you go, the tree or whatever symbol you choose becomes like your grounding cord to come back to, you know, your human expression. So um, trees have always been, I guess, more of that symbolic anchorage that was given to me in a way. I didn't really necessarily choose it, but I do recommend um, for those wanting to go in and speak to nature spirits or plants and the natural world to have that anchoring plant or being that really connects to you naturally. So you can really start to learn how to listen, you know, cause it can get confusing. You know, it can be like all these beautiful, it's like watching an avatar movie, you know, sometimes you can get lost in these beautiful, sensorial, colorful, uh, psychic images that will happen to all of us. It's just so natural to our human body to experience this. And when the pineal gland is open it naturally secretes these like profound images in our mind. So once you start learning how to diagnose it, I feel like, again, that anchoring, that like tree anchoring energy will allow you to discern what's what, what's coming from who, you know, because there's millions of possibilities. Sometimes we pick up other people's energy and we might think it's something else and we don't realize it and it's just in our field and we have to learn how to clear it, ground it in order to see with clarity what's really uh, speaking with you or to you, you know, so... So yeah, I've always been very connected to it. And I think that anchoring process is what's really allowed me to really distinguish the differences amongst what comes in, you know? So not anchoring is very classic. I feel like it's so easy to unbound in your psychic energy and just be fully released in it, but it can have its side effects. You know, it can be very confusing once you come back. It can almost feel like you don't wanna be in the human experience and you just wanna be over there in that world. and. That's when the center, that's when it's not really synergizing, you know, and I think yeah. that distinction is vital. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I feel like the spirit world is as diverse as the physical world, right? So there's some crazy beings in the spirit world, just as much as there's crazy beings in the physical world. Exactly. Like, you've got to really watch who's just because they're spiritual doesn't mean they're like got any kind of anything that you really want to rely on. <laughs> Exactly. And that's what, and it's also that common, you know, it's that common to have that many spirits around. It's that common to have that much variety of energies and frequencies. It's the same exact experience. It's like if, you know, if you walk into a room full of people and you do the same in the spirit world and you're not feeling good that day, but you're walking in and you're allowing energy to just be kind of going to you and you're feeling you're very empathic, let's say, and you're just walking through, you'll become just, everything will just stick to you. Yeah. And that you're aware, oh, I'm awake. Let's say if you're awake in the dream, I'm awake in the dream or you're awake in your vision, you know, who's who, who do you want to be with and not and clearly define that intention as you travel into these worlds. Even if you're just intending to connect with the natural world, all these different plants, that's the same way. Like you want to discern what you're calling in to know what the conversation is going to be about in a way. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't get confusing and muddy and kind of like oh I think I saw this or that so yes. um, we get misled <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and you know what's interesting you know like I had there's somebody here in the community where I live that uh, recently took a very poisonous plant 
and they, for example, insisted that it was uh, calling it. And there's a lot of uh, curanderismo rituals around this plant, but it's you know it's extremely dangerous if you really don't know what you're doing. You can stay stuck in it forever, you know. So it's a beautiful flower. It's the classic datura flower, the the queen of the night, reina de la noche. And so they, uh, he, he was feeling called to drink the roots. And he got this really clear commanded vision of how to prepare it, how to do everything. He's a very open person. And, but I think just because of not discerning exactly what the vision might mean, doesn't mean that you necessarily have to go drink the roots of this plant and see what happens. You know, it could also have been a metaphorical expression of what the plant was trying to say to him because now he's a couple months later and he's still in the vision because that's what poisonous plants can do, you know? And it's extremely uh, concerning because you can, you know, do, you can really hurt your life and those around you. So I think in that sense, it's very important to know how to interpret these archetypal metaphysical images that come in because they're not always literal. Even if the, the plant might be showing you what to do and how to do it, and you know that plant is poisonous, you're not going to just go and make a big brew of a poisonous root, you know? <laughs> so, so I think in that sense, discernment and clarity is so important to cultivate when entering these realms and communicating with these spirits, you know? So, so yeah, I'm in prayer for him because it's, it can be horrible in a way, you know? So, so yeah, but sometimes the journey is just meant to be. So it's just an interesting reality, right? Yeah. You, you write about a lot, you talk about a lot is this, the way the intelligence in the plants reflects intelligence in humans and, you know, as above, so below. Could you speak to us about that? Yes. So I think uh, the doctrine of signatures is a great way to, to see that. So the doctrine of signatures means that the plant resembles that which is going to heal or can heal. So let's say skullcap a popular plant used in Asia and European botanical medicine and in North American medicine, um, but it resembles a, like a cranium. So it looks like two little, you know, like the frontal lobe. You can even see the frontal lobe and the side lobes. And it literally does that. It really relaxes the central nervous system and therefore, you know, everything connected from the brain to the spine. Um, so in that sense, it's really resembling that. So as above, so below, right? Um, same with so many plants. I mean, there's some that are even, you know, it might not even be related and because science has not proven it, but who knows, it might be something worth discovering and exploring through, you know, through intake. Um, so I think uh, the plants definitely, it's everything is so magical and symbolic in nature and, you know, very profound healers across history and time, shamans and and different curanderos I've worked with have really, like really gone deep with plants where they know what they do and the plant resembles that there's just been little research to support it in this scientific world but it has been folk medicine forever you know so there's so much to explore in that area and plants really resemble on a deep level on what they do already physically so it's not like you have to be a hyper psychic mega connected 5d person to be able to see that but just the simple act of observation beyond the judgmental mind can really already express that as to what it's mirroring in the spirit world or on an energetic level in a physical way, you know? So it's beautiful. It's really beautiful and it is all connected. I mean, it's not just a cliche. It is so profound once you really start doing, whether it's ceremonies with master plants or just like simple tea infusion in very mindful ways or tea infusions and in meditations before your meditation, 
you can already feel how the plants are really working on you in that way deeply and mirroring the energetic world and the physical world almost to perfection, you know? Um, so, yeah. How is your experience? Actually, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear how you've experienced the spirit world and the as above, so below physical world reality. Um, thank you for asking that question. Um, well, I think you're, you're describing it very articulately. It's a kind of merging, isn't it? Where it's not one or the other. So you're not in it, but you're not out of it. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a space where, where they meet, right? Where you and what's beyond you and you and what's inside of you, it becomes all one. And then it, it becomes, it's like when you're in love or when you've got a child and it becomes very hard to discern what's you and your partner or what's you and your child because there's such a close relationship and a close bond that it, it just, it's, there's a union, right? And a flow. And I think the more that we work with the plants and we work with them on this kind of level of discernment, the more and more that gets revealed to us, right? So this is part of the beauty of it is that, you know, at the beginning of the journey, maybe people are thinking about what they're stepping away from and it feels very fearful for a lot of people because it's, they're thinking about what they're leaving behind and the things that, you know, the reason why people might think they're crazy or, you know, all these kind of things of what's, what's, what's leaving. But, you know, this is a big part of what this series is about is what are we stepping into? And, and I believe that, you know, the kind of level that you're speaking to is the kind of level that hopefully in a few generations will be a common understanding of how this kind of doctrine of signatures and all is one and there is a plant for everything and our level of working in harmony and working to a level of sensitivity with mother earth in order so that we can reach the stars um will be yeah will be much more of a I don't, I don't know if it'll be normalized in a couple of generations, but it's much more of a commonly accepted thing that uh, it's, it's, um, it's just such a richness, isn't it? I mean, just, just to hear you talking, it's, it's, there's so much texture to it, there's so much depth to it, there's so much poetry to it, and I, I can sense that you could just talk about one plan for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and so within everything there's worlds within worlds within worlds within worlds right and that's what we're getting into is there's that's the real nature of existence this organic sense of being that's really being that they, they try to disconnect us from but that is our true nature right exactly Rudolf Steiner actually spoke about this so beautifully and I just love everything he's done and the education that he brought about that, you know, and he very much was connected to the spirit world and at a time where it was seen as like witchery and dark and um, he was judged as being like a bad wizard in a way in mainstream, let's say mainstreamness of that time, like, you know, in the 1920s or whatever. And so he would speak so clearly, let's say about biodynamics and he himself said that this, the spirits of nature are the ones that told him about these recipes and how to put the crystals or the, the, the horns of different animals in certain ways on the land to ignite certain experiences. And so, and it's been tested for more than a hundred years now that everything he received was not just some like 
weird witchy stuff. You know, it was like actually real, extremely effective, beautiful magic and ritual that you can do on your land when you're preparing for gardening or growing anything, you know, or just simple land energetics, like having blessed land, how to bless a piece of land, your home, sacred spaces, you know. So I just love how he does that. He's even been on interviews where he's channeling on the spot. You can see it. And he goes to the site to even whisper to the nature spirits that are speaking to him in that moment as if they're like standing right here <laughs> and he's having a conversation and nobody sees anything. And he's just like, hold on a minute. Let me talk to the angel over here. <laughs> so I think that's so much more real for a lot of people that really are plugged in and that can really see that the more than what we're aware of and once again as above so below you know they're right there it's just it takes sharpening and unlearning certain societal things to be able to see those worlds again because we're equipped with the technology inside of ourselves you know this we're made with it we can see it we can be it and um, it's just all about reattuning you know it's so beautiful. Look that, I wanted to ask you about some specific herbs around divine feminine, but let's maybe start with the pineal gland because I know that's something you're really big on. So what, <laughs> <Yeah>. what, <laughs> what are your favorite herbs for supporting and strengthening the pineal gland? And tell us why the pineal gland is so important. Yes, oh my God, the pineal gland. I can talk about that for hours. Yeah. I just think it's, <laughs> I think it's just fascinating. You know, the tiniest gland in the body that moves the highest amount of blood than any other part of our body, number one. Number two, it's electromagnetic. It literally has an antenna to it and it's been proven scientifically, something that's been spoken about for thousands of years. There's all, so many ancient texts speaking on its electromagnetic capabilities. And it's amazing to see how they're now seeing that there is like tiny crystals at the top of this tiny little rice, like the, it's like the size of a piece of rice, you know? So um, it's just incredible that it has that power to move. And so anyways, there's so many plants and I know a lot of people always ask on how do I decalcify my pineal gland or how do I, you know, awaken it. So I think it's all about the neurotransmitters. So essential neurotransmitters that are assimilated because of the pineal gland, like serotonin and dopamine, very well known. They like basically dictate how we feel, our excitement, our happiness, our ability to be in satisfaction, you know. Dopamine is more of like the reward neurohormone and serotonin is more of like just straight up happiness, fundamental happiness in our body. And so when our pineal gland is out of whack, it just underproduces these neurotransmitters and we just feel pretty shitty. You know, we don't feel good. We're negative. It's easy to see like even classic pessimistic tendencies in people that are just under secreting a simple neurohormone. And that's even when I do clinical herbalism, that's what I tell people. It's not necessarily you. It might just be your biology in this moment that can be easily altered, you know, whether it's meditation, plants or whatever. So a classic plant that I love that's like known as like the antidepressant, which is not recommended to be taken with antidepressants, but is St. John's word. It is a like a weed that takes over fields, you know, it's like a weed that even there's like horrible chemicals made just to kill this one precious weed called St. John's word. <laughs> And even in California, I remember I would get paid to just even harvest from people's lands because farmers were like, I can't stand this weed, just take it away, I'll pay you. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> so anyways, and John's word has so much history and actually it's being used medically in Germany and for quite a while already and by actual doctors because of its ability to increase serotonin, you know, in our body. And so it really activates our receptors. It also helps us assimilate it more. 
And so it just naturally makes you feel really good. I really recommend that one. So it's a very sunshiny plant. Again, Doctrine of Signatures, it's bright and yellow flower. It's extremely abundant. So it signals the qualities of the sun. Serotonin is very much, you know, the transmitter that's activated through solar light, through light. So that's another way to even ignite serotonin is light energy. Even colors, light, uh, lights that you can like filter through colors and so has really known to uh, uplift the frequency of serotonin. You know, so all that energy is very much solar plants. So Sarah, just I just love St. John's work because it's so sustainable. You can grow it anywhere. I even have it growing here, which is not native to Costa Rica, but I have it growing like a weed here now, you know. So it's really a wonderful one. Another one that's native to here that's the classic dopamine booster is Mucuna, which I know you're very familiar with. Um, it's been used here in Central American traditions for quite some time. And although it just it's known to boost dopamine, it's also known to boost serotonin. It's just lesser known and lesser activated, but it's still activated. So it just really activates the pineal gland in that way. What's fascinating about Mucuna is that it really mirrors the pineal gland in a lot of ways. It also assists in the assimilation of DMT, which is also a key neurotransmitter in the pineal gland that's said to be excreted at only profound moments in time. But I actually kind of disbelieve that because I believe we, you know, excrete minute doses of it when we're in lucid dreaming or even when you're having an ecstatic experience, an epiphany, a big aha moment can be trace amounts of DMT in your pineal gland that's really creating that experience of like elation and true big epiphany kind of moments. So Mokuna helps assimilate DMT in microscopic levels, but it at least has that. And so many plants in nature, by the way, already have DMT in them. Just some really ignite the expression in our own body more than others. Of course, these are the plants that are like masterful, like ayahuasca that, are, that is a brew from the Amazon that really ignites a true expression of DMT in our body. So it's very visionary. But there's some that are like in a lesser amounts that really help keep the continuous experience without it being like a full blown out of body experience, which I think is great. You know, so I even for people that drink master plants, I recommend Mukuna even after because it really helps you to metabolize the experience after you did your ceremony, you know, so which is so important for integration, integration in your human body, everything you got to see and experience from your pineal gland being so elated and happy, you know, so there's quite a few. Bobinsana is another one that like I was just speaking, it really activates the receptors in our pineal gland, therefore it really creates that sense of dissolving time and space, which is a classic trait of pineal boosting in a way. So it's, it's beautiful in that sense that it's also a central nervous system relaxant and like muscular skeletal relaxant too. Um, another one that I love to pair with Bovinsana that also grows near it is passionflower. All these plants are, I guess, native to the rainforest in a way, except St. John's wort. So it's very easy to find them growing all together. So they already synergistically are kind of around each other in places like here. Um, but passionflower also has, for example, compounds like harmaline, which are considered like, you know, dangerous because they can really create an altering effect like harmala, which comes from other, well, has been found in other plants and bufotein, which is also another compound in our pineal gland when it's excreted in small amounts, only in specific moments. But passionflower has this in microscopic levels, which is fascinating because, you know, again, it kind of creates that experience just in a very subtle, beautiful, mindful way. So you don't, again, you don't have to do these mind blowing experiences all the time, 
but you can kind of conduct that energy as a frequency in your body ongoingly by drinking it as a flower essence or as a tea or a simple decoction, you know, so it can be gentle <laughs> or it can be assimilated after with it. So passion flower is just amazing. I think it's just like, it's known by many psychics across time to be like the Christ consciousness plant because it really allows you to experience these higher states through its energetic. So depending on how tuned in you are, or how you feel it or your receptiveness with nature, you can really feel that with that plant. It really allows you to enter into higher frequencies. It kind of extends energy. It's known to extend your aura, like create space in your aura on an energetic level. So when you really intake it, you really, really feel this expansiveness. That's part of its nervine qualities on the central nervous system. It just really relaxes, creates space, kind of everything, like the edges are rounded. You don't feel irritable or anxious. To-do list is not so important anymore. So those are all key traits of like when we feel these nervous system relaxants, it's really having a conversation with our pineal gland because it's just, pineal gland is all about this relaxed ecstatic state. The pineal gland underperforms if we're in a state of stress and anxiety, you know, so if we're running on survival mode all day long because we have something to do all the time, the pineal gland will be blocked. It will not have an experience mm. at all. I feel, so, I feel like my edges are getting rounded just by listening. Wonderful. From pineal gland to pineal gland. There we go. <laughs> so, so, yes. Just think about them and they work. <laughs> Exactly. It really can have that effect after <laughs> some time. <laughs> so yeah, it's so important. Like even if you don't have access to these plants and you just want to do it with yourself and no other tools, that can happen too. You know, the simple visualization of the center of your head and you really just tune in, it naturally will give you all this, all these images, these feelings, these archetypal imagery like we were talking about in surprising ways and allow that unknown to really flood in and not expect anything just allow it to flood in and these plants just assist you in relaxing to be able to receive what it is meant to excrete you know so if we're in our classic you know the our true state is to be in bliss and just in the present moment not hurrying not in survival mode no just being period if you're in that state, your pineal gland will secrete this naturally with like under its own command, guided by its own will, you know? So I think it's really important to know that too. You, you don't need anything. You can also just do it with yourself in nature or at home, in your kitchen, while you're cooking. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. And let's, let's talk about some of the herbs for divine feminine. So you know, the herbs that bring us into that place of, well, physical sensuality and embodiment, but also surrender and allowing and the more kind of grounded herbs, what would you say would be the best things for people that want to really be in that receptivity place? Mm. I'm going to mention a very classic one because I feel like most people have it in their cupboards and it's hibiscus. I think hibiscus is on, honestly a very is very much underlooked because it's such a staple. You know, it's very much just like a staple everywhere you go. But hibiscus has that deep, profound feminine energy. It has that beautiful blood purifying energy, which is really essential to I feel like experiencing these states, the quality of your blood, how your blood is really moving, your lymphatic system, which is very feminine in nature. So hibiscus can mirror that again, doctrine of signatures in that sense. Um, which I think is beautiful. So it's like drinking blood, like earth's blood, which is so feminine, in my opinion. 
It also is great for the uterus. So people needing to heal the uterus, or if you have a lot of cramping in your uterus or stuck energy, or just you want maintenance in that uterine energy, hibiscus is fantastic, you know? So it really does like wonders in that world that I really recommend. Uh, curanderos here actually use the flowers, like the flower medicine of it to heal like broken hearts or to heal like a broken feminine energy in anyone. It doesn't matter if it's male or female or however you identify, it just really heals that like inability to access, inability to have that receivership. So in baños florales, like flower cleansing and curanderismo, hibiscus flowers are appointed to that, which is beautiful, I think. It's even used like in a smudge, like smudging blends, uh, the hibiscus leaf and flower to do like limpias, like smoke limpias to clear the aura from also fragmented feminine energy or just maintenance of feminine energy. So it's really beautiful in that way. It's also classically used after birth, which is also very feminine, obviously. <laughs> so after birth, if you have lost a lot of blood as postpartum, for example, it's a great postpartum recovery plant. And it's so simple, hibiscus tea, you know, it's just amazing. In Bali, so, they have rosella. Is, does rosella do this, have the same properties? Same properties, yeah. Yeah, because it's also in the hibiscus family, but it's not the hibiscus sabdarifa, which is the Latin name of like the classic hibiscus. There's so many versions. I grow the rosella here in my garden and I use it in the same way. So, yeah, beautiful flowers. Oh my goodness, I just love it. So yeah, that's one. Another classic one is raspberry leaf, which is also very classically found in so many places. It's also a uterine stimulant. So it really helps the uterus have that beautiful, clean, and a bloody energy. <laughs> so it's really nice, but it's also great for men. I feel like I even recommend it to men that are trying to, you know, let's say if your wife is pregnant or you, you want to expect a baby, it's a really great tonic to share on an energetic level as a couple. I think it's really beautiful because it's so mineralizing. It really is fantastic for the whole family, even children. Um, but it really has that feminine energy to it and has been used across the world for these same purposes, you know, very much for women's health in a way but it's also just wonderful in that energetic, just feminine energy bringing back to the body and to the mind. So it's great mineralizing tea, it's just a great blood purifier and also great for the lymphatic system, which is very much feminine in nature as well. Yes. Is it actually easily found in Europe, raspberry leaf? I, I imagine. Yeah, it is, yeah. I have a tea called Femininity, which is Shatavari raspberry leaf rose, uh, Goji's and um, Damiana. Oh, beautiful. That's what I was going to say next. Damiana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damiana is so classic, right? The feminine, magical. And what I love about Damiana, there's actually several varieties that are used in Central America. It's technically native to Mexico, but you can find it in, um, you know, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Belize, and all traditions in Central America have all used it for the same purpose, you know. It's classically given as an antidepressant, which is funny, because it, I mean, it makes sense. It's a joy tonic, it's a feminine tonic, it kind of brightens your mood, adds a kick to your step, makes you happy. But it's also an excellent anti-anxiety and anti-stressor and just antidepressant. Obviously, don't use it if you're in antidepressants, don't use it as a you know, as, as a plant in congruence to your medication or be sure you're obviously working with someone that you know that might help you in your process. Damiana is extremely effective in recovery after antidepressants, but again, obviously talk to your doctor. 
Um, but I think uh, it's just beautiful and it's so rich in folkloric history in these areas. It also in, um, in uh, women's rituals in Central America, a lot of curanderos also use the flowers in baños florales, which is big, beautiful yellow flowers. Also very symbolic to the sun, solar energy, that awakening, joyful energy. Um, but it's also used in like heartbreak rituals as well in conjunction to bovinsana for the baños florales, which I love. So yeah, even women when they're like preparing for birth or after birth, they're like given foot baths of Damiana flowers and just like really just nourishing to the skin. It's also an amazing tonic to ingest, but just overall it's used in very ki many kinds of rituals in these areas. So it's beautiful. And yeah. Rose, can we talk about, to me, your rose powder is just like the most incredible divine feminine tonic ever. <laughs> I know, right? Rose, oh my God. I just rose love... powder is just, just so next level. You know, right? I've even put I've put it on my cheeks to, to add a little magic sometimes. <laughs> a great like eyeshadow too. Um, but yeah, I think it's just beautiful. I just love rose. I mean, who doesn't love rose? I know there's like a small percentage of people that can't stand it, which is unbelievable to me. But uh, rose is just so incredibly embodied in that feminine nature, right? It's like I just love the doctrine of signatures. What it really looks like, you know, it looks like the cardiovascular system. The way it grows, it grows like the veins, the thorns, you know, part of its protective qualities. It's very protective to the heart and the cardiovascular system. So it has these gnarly spines as you go up to the spiritual culmination of this like bloomed awareness at the top of the stock, you know. So it just really symbolizes what it does. You know, it really blooms the heart after this trajectory of purification and protection. So it's a very protective plant too physically and energetically. It's really much, very much used in protective rituals, protective talismans, um, sachets that are used for plants of protection in conjunction to other plants. So it really has so many aspects to this feminine, beautiful nature, you know, the protective feminine, being protected in that soft and beautiful, gentle way, which I think is so powerful. Protection doesn't have to be this like gnarly, intense, exhausted energy. It can be just this beautiful, process of being just aligned to your energy and yourself which I feel like rose does so beautifully I love rose in all ways possible the rose powder I even use it in, in like baths with even coconut like all kinds of coconut powders and so I've combined it with even like tremella another beautiful beautifying mushroom that I love to use in baths and in bathing um, and yeah it's just it's just fantastic it's just a great source of vitamin C too, which is so essential to our beautification, the rose quality, right? Of beauty and feminine energy. Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> Hearing you speak about all these things, it's just like, you just want to like swim in your words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But, but like I said, I really feel like like this is our future, right? What the, the level of understanding and connection that you have with the cosmos, with Earth and the cosmos, is what I believe that we're all moving into, and and this is our future that we're moving into. So, can you speak? Do you think about that? Do you think about the future and what it looks like? How does it look like to you when people are living in harmony with the Earth? What does what does New Earth look like to you? Hmm. That's such a good question. I really do believe that 
Gaia is igniting us back to her in a way through these processes, through herbalism, gardening. And I don't believe that it's trending just for because of a coincidence or need. I believe it's part of returning to our source. You know, it's part of returning to reigniting the soul of nature, which is why we even called ourselves Anima Mundi to begin with, because we're reigniting the soul of nature through the power of plants, the power of ritual, the power of remedies which is so Gaian and beautiful and belongs to this beautiful planet. So I do think out of necessity, we will all go back there, you know, like our immune system, regardless of your stance of, let's say the COVID situation, like we're really needing to rewire our immune system as a collective period, no matter what, you know, so using plants to go back to that source origin of that really powerful protective way to stay vital and nourished and just beaming with life, which is our birthright. It's it's our it's our natural blueprint you know so i do think that new earth is really going back to the cycles of nature going back to nature practices earthcraft um true sustainable ways of being completely in synergy with with this planet and with each other you know like we can work as a collective consciousness so powerfully if we all align to this consciousness we could move mountains with it, you know? So it would just be powerful if we all go back to that source energy that is just herbalism is just one of the millions of petals that it can be, you know? It can be so many aspects to going back to source and there's so many beautiful ways to do it. So I think it's just beautiful to see how everyone's really getting into just even composting or, you know, like sustainable gardens, planting, even if it's just flowers or, you know, converting lawns into beautiful, you know, food areas for you and your neighbors. And just all that is just the reigniting of the new earth, the reigniting of nature. So I believe more in that than just like the collapse of the system, you know, a lot of this ideal that we're just going through this death process. I also see it as this massive blooming process. And yes, unsustainable systems will collapse. It's natural and it's been seen throughout history. So I do think we're in that huge rebirth process. And herbalism is just one of those tools to awaken and go back to that source of magic, you know? So I'm excited. I actually don't see it as a horrible time. <laughs> a lot of people can get intense sometimes. And I'm like, don't worry. This is all part of the master plan. We're in it and it's beyond our control. <laughs> you know? It's fun to be alive. I think people have waited for lifetimes for this moment. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> And it's so beautiful to see people coming together in a lot of communities all around the world doing this kind of practice, you know? So yes, it's in us and it's natural to go back to it. We're like magnetized to our past, to where we come from, to, you know, we're, it's just beautiful. Well, and it's the beautiful thing about the plants, isn't it? Because the more you ingest them, the more you see things that way and then the more you're creating things that way so it's this beautiful harmonious feedback loop isn't it it's a beautiful cycle of, of the plants talk to you and then you can do the work in the world and then you eat more plants and then you do you put more stuff out and it just keeps growing and growing <laughs> yeah exactly it's beautiful it's awakening back to you know just the simple basics the bare essentials you know it's so beautiful sharpening our antennas to perceive it <laughs> yes beautiful anything else you want to add before we go 
Yeah, well, to the divine feminine, whether, you know, I really invite whoever is listening to really tune into your own form of divine feminine. It can look in so many different ways and it's very intimate to every single person. And, and that's the key word, intimacy, you know, intimacy with yourself to open that key, that inner doorway that really ignites this energy and consciousness. So I think it's really important to know that everybody's process is completely different and very unique and beautiful and creative and feminine has so many ways of representing itself. It's not just one traditional way that we've been programmed with. There's so many possibilities and magical ways to really channel it into this experience. So but I really invite being, that process. It's being in conversation, isn't it? Always being yes. in conversation with your body, with the plants, with the earth, with everything. Exactly, the receptivity, right? Just observing it and receiving it, exactly. Thank you so much, Kate. It's such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for inviting me. I love it. <laughs> See you soon. Okay. See you soon.